This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Good morning, Christian Family Church, Johannesburg. This is a wonderful day. God has blessed you all. Praise the Lord. All right, give yourself a great big praise God hand clap, everybody. Over in the Fellowship Hall as well, please welcome yourselves. Give yourself a great big hand clap there this morning. All right, let's begin. Understanding and dealing with the operation of demons. This is part two in our series. We started part one about five weeks ago. I'm going to be dealing with part three in about four or five weeks' time. So every once in a while, we'll have a deliverance or healing meeting, and I'll continue with the subject. During the 1950s, Lester Sumrall was ministering in the Philippines. He told us the story in 1995 when he was at Christian Family Church in Johannesburg. There was a totally insane woman locked in a padded cell in the mental hospital in the Philippines. When she was absolutely alone in a cell, teeth marks surrounded by saliva would appear all over her body, even on her back. They were not human teeth marks, all right? You got that? Bite marks, teeth marks, with saliva around it, appeared all over her body, even on her back, and she's alone in a padded cell. No one could help this woman from the torment and her suffering. The story about this young woman appeared in the local newspaper, and at the end of the article, they appealed to the public to try and find someone who could help this woman. Lester Summerall read the article and went to see the mayor of the town. And he said, if I can get this woman delivered, will you give me the freedom to preach a revival in the city? And the mayor agreed. Lester Summerall went to the hospital. He had to go into the private cell alone. No one else would dare to go in that cell. A man's voice in perfect English spoke to Lester Sumrall out of this woman. And the man said, or the demon said, I know who you are, and I'm going to kill you. Lester replied, I command you to come out of this woman in the name of Jesus. And the demon came out. Lester had fasted and prayed for three days before going into that cell. A mighty revival broke out in the Philippines. Thousands of people got born again in a very short time. And Lester Sumrall started church there. He ran for a few years, and then he gave it over to his nephew, David Sumrall. And after several years, they still had 20,000 people in that church. When ministering to someone who needs deliverance, ask questions. The Holy Spirit will lead you to the open door that has let the devil attack that person. For example, questions you might want to ask someone who has a spirit of fear. Are they watching the wrong kind of movies, movies that would cause fear? horror movies, etc. There's one movie on Netflix right now I heard about called The Perfection. This horror movie is so bad it's actually making people physically sick while they watch it and they cannot sleep after watching the movie. One woman said on Twitter that she got a migraine headache and vomited because of watching the movie. Are they reading the wrong books? Are they taking drugs? Are they sleeping around? All these questions are questions we should ask the person 
that has a spirit of fear? Have they been to fortune tellers? Have they been hypnotized? Did something happen in their childhood that caused fear? Did their parents get divorced while they were young? How did that divorce affect those little children? It might have caused fear in their lives and very possibly rejection. They grow up and they still suffer from rejection. They think their father rejected them or their mother rejected them, whoever left. And uh, they don't realize it's not them that the parents rejected, but each other. But they still take it personally. That's always or mostly the case. Now, many adults suffer from rejection, rejection even in their senior years because their parents got divorced when they were children. The only way to beat that rejection, family, is to have their mind renewed to who they are in Christ, who they are today after being born again as God has recreated them to be, and also to understand from the Bible that God loves them. These things remove rejection. It is very difficult to make any recommendations to someone who suffers from rejection. It's very difficult to help them make suggestions because immediately they automatically think you are rejecting them and they struggle through life with that problem. Then let's talk about lying spirits, lying spirits. I found the following addictions have usually got a lying spirit attached to it. So you'll have the one demon and the other demon as well in the person. Until they admit that they are addicted and truly want to be free. For example, alcoholics have lying spirits attached to them mostly because they'll deny that they are alcoholics mostly. They'll never admit it. They say, no, I can stop drinking anytime. I want to, but they don't. Taking drugs. When people are addicted to drugs, they're going to say, no, I'm not addicted to drugs. I can come off this anytime I want to. And they are just lying. They can't. The spirit of adultery. When people fall into adultery, they'll lie to their spouse. And that opens the door for demons of lying to come in as well. And a spirit of adultery can get a hold of somebody to where once they start doing that, they can't stop. Many sicknesses are caused directly by demons. All the above open doors can allow demons of fear to come into these, these people's lives. Oppression in many cases could be a demonic attack. Oppression. Jealousy. Blasphemy. Rage. Cursing. If these things take place on a regular basis in someone's life, it's most probably the attack of a demon, and the person doesn't realize it. All those things open the door to demons to come in if we yield to them. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 24 says, The Lord's servants must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. They must be able to teach effectively and be patient with difficult people. They should gently teach those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will believe the truth. So we see here, God's children need to not quarrel, be kind, be patient, be gentle. All right, now we're talking about how to cast out demons and we got to step number five last time. This time we continue with step number six. Once we have established, this is point number six, once we have established the open door, which allowed the demon into the life of the person, ask them to repent. 
Then step number seven, let them command the demon to go from them. They must command it because you can't work over their will. Step number eight, once they have commanded the demon to leave, then you command the demon to go by using the name of Jesus. Step number nine, stay with them until you sense in your heart that that demon has gone. You must have a peace in your heart that demon is gone. Step number 10, don't keep using the name of Jesus over and over like a parrot. That just means you've got no faith in the name. Use the name of Jesus as much as you want to, only when the unction of the Holy Spirit gives you the freedom to do it. Wait for an unction so that you, you can function in the realm of faith and authority. It comes out of your heart, not your head. Step number 11. Don't be disturbed by the manifestations of the demon spirit. If it throws a fit, throws a person on the ground, don't let that freak you out. Don't let that scare you. That simply tells you that the demon is afraid and he knows he's coming out, doesn't want to. So he has to leave and he knows that. So don't let that scare you. All right, step number 12. Once you sense the demon has left, command the demon to leave the property. To leave the property. The house, the church, wherever you are. Also command the spirit not to come back to the person in the name of Jesus. Now some Christians try and send the demon to hell once they cast it out. If it were possible to send demons to hell once you've cast them out, then Jesus would have done that. He would have sent all the demons to hell while he was on the earth. And we would have had no demons to deal with today. Matthew 8, 29. A demon spoke out of a man and said to Jesus, Have you come here? to torture us before the appointed time. That's Matthew 8, 29. So there is a judgment day set for Satan and demons. We have no right to send them to hell. It'll happen on that set date. Now command the demon you have cast out to go through dry places seeking rest and finding none. As Lord Jesus said we should do in Matthew 12, 43. He said, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I'll return to my house. He's talking about that person he came out of from which I came, and when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Now, what's that mean? Empty means the demons are gone out. Swept, that means it's clean, put in order, it's tidied up. But empty is a problem because it should be full of the word. Because there's no word in there, it's empty. The person's heart is empty. Now, watch 45. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself and they enter and dwell there and the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. All right. So it's important to get people full with the word of God and teach them how to stand and use their shield of faith when the devil tries to put anything back on them. Sometimes I refuse to pray for people and I send them away with my booklet on healing scriptures or whatever it is uh, that I believe they need and then tell them to come back a week or two later and confess I shall be free and I will not have this problem again when I'm prayed for. So I'll come back and then you can minister to them. 
We have to be careful in doing these things. Now, at this point, I'd like to issue a warning to all Christians. In the next few years, in these last days, there's going to be a huge increase in witchcraft practice. There's going to be a rise in occult practice, satanic worship, and false religions. All these things will be promoted by the media on television, on movies, in movies, and in schools, believe it or not. Yes, in schools as well. This will be freely accepted by the unsaved. All this rise in occultic practice will be freely accepted and admired by the unsaved. A huge increase in lying spirits a huge increase in public sexual perversion and open pornography and illegal drug abuse. There's going to be a decline in morals and in character. A large percentage of children and teenagers are being influenced by this flood of demons released into our world today. Because they've not given their life to Christ, they're under Satan's influence and control. Satan is trying to turn this human race and the world into Sodom and Gomorrah once again. Turn to Ephesians 2 verse 2. You used to live just like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan. So the world obeys Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. 1 John 5, 19, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world around us is under the power and control of the evil one. Now, unfortunately, there's a worldwide decline in the amount of Christians that go to church. A worldwide, huge, worldwide decline in the amount of Christians that go to church. Many have fallen away. Christianity, Christianity is a lot less influential than it was 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Now that all these children, teenagers, and young adults have grown up in our world, and many of them are in positions of influence, can you imagine what's going to happen in South Africa and the other countries of the world? What will happen now that so many of these people who don't believe in Christ have gained control of governments around the world, including international banks and big business corporations? Imagine the influence these people have got. They will try and pass laws that greatly restrict Christianity. What should happen? They'll try and restrict church activity by law. They'll try and outlaw Christian practices and even try and outlaw the Bible, mark it down as coming. Christians must be aware of Satan's plans. Christians must be trained to recognize demon activity. Christians must know how to cast out demons. Christians must know how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Christians must know the Word of God, and Christians must live holy in these times. Christians need to pray urgently. The Titanic is about to hit the iceberg worldwide. In fact, it's on, it's on course. There's nothing that can change it except prayer. A few years ago, 
I turned on the TV and I saw some country and western singers on the platform in a bar, a proper bar. Now, there were people sitting all around drinking at tables and chairs, round tables and chairs, and there was a bar counter right there next to them. Everyone was drinking beer. The song was quite pretty, so I listened for a little while. Then one of the singers mentioned God in the song, and this got my attention. At the end of the song, he said, isn't it wonderful that we can have church this way? Then I realized I was watching a church service. Now, in the book of Revelation, the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, we read what Jesus said to the seven churches of Asia Minor, how he evaluated each church. And he was very firm and strict about each church's conduct. And so according to that, if this church, this bar church with alcohol, was in that book of Revelation, it would have received a serious judgment from Jesus. 1, 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1 says, Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. 1 John 3, 3. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. 1 Peter 1, 15. As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Hebrews 12, 28. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12.1, let us lay aside every weight and sin that which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And Hebrews 12.14, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Pursue peace with all people and holiness with what, without which no one will see the Lord. Now, family, these scriptures tell us how to live. And when we break the word of God in any place, it opens the door to Satan. That's where Satan has the legal right to attack us. Do you understand that, child of God? God's not trying to be a meanie when he gives us his guidance is to protect us from Satan and demons and to make sure we make it to heaven. Christians need to witness in this hour. Christians have not been the salt of the earth as Jesus instructed us to. Matthew 5.13, the Lord Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. What does that mean? It means you are to influence the unsafe towards Christ and in, into godliness. If salt loses flavor, what does that mean? It means if we as Christians will not do the job God has asked us to do, to influence the world to Christ and bring them to Jesus, the very people we were supposed to win to Christ will persecute us. If we are experiencing persecution in the world today, it's because we didn't win them to Christ. We were not the salt of the earth as he told us to be. And he said they would trample us under our feet. So let's change, church. Let's get on fire. Let's become soul winners. Let's pray them into the kingdom of God. All this demonic activity will cause an increase in crime and violence, kidnapping, etc. However, hopefully it will also unite the Christians and it will drive Christians to their knees, which will then bring in the last great awakening, the last great revival. 
to close our eyes to this demonic invasion of the human race will not cause the problem to go away. It will not protect us either. It's time for the church to put on the armor of God according to Ephesians chapter 6. It's time for us to report to the battlefield for duty. Our general Jesus is waiting on the battlefield for us. Our captain Jesus said that he gives us the victory in every situation, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Jesus also said that we are more than conquerors in Romans 8, 37. So let's report for duty to the battlefield. I have some stories I'd like to share with you. Dr. Andre tells the story of an old school friend that he and his wife were witnessing to. Whenever he was in town, they would invite this friend to come and stay in their home with him, with them. He'd often go to Zambia on business, and during one of those business trips to Zambia, he brought back two masks as gifts for Dr. Andre. He said that this was a male mask and a female mask, and they were carved out of wood. Immediately, Pastor Andre sensed that these were demonic, so he put them outside on the veranda on the balcony. A few days later, his wife, Pastor Christine, and his two daughters began to suffer from severe stomach pain. They did everything they could to find relief without success. They even took them to the doctor. Nothing seemed to help. A few days later, they left for a week-long vacation down at the beach, and all the symptoms disappeared. When they got back home, immediately the pain began again. One night at about 12.30 a.m., Pastor Andre was awakened out of a deep sleep with Pastor Christine screaming at the top of her voice, Oh, my stomach, my stomach. As he awoke, the Holy Spirit said to Dr. Andre, These demon spirits were brought into your home by those masks. Those masks were dedicated to a woman who then died from ovarian cancer. He jumped out of bed, smashed them over his knee, and threw them in the trash outside of his house. By the time he got back into the house, his wife and two girls were fast asleep soundly. They never had any more stomach problems from that moment. Now, did Pastor Andre and his family serve the Lord with all their hearts? Absolutely. How come Satan was able to attack them like that? Imagine Dr. Andre went to church on Sunday and asked the congregation to pray for his wife and daughters. Would that help? No. Even if one is a Christian living all out for Jesus, and they open the door to the devil, the demons will come in. And God cannot protect that Christian. It's important to throw away anything in our house that has satanic witchcraft connections. The Holy Spirit will guide us personally in these matters. We must keep the door closed in order to stay in a position of authority over the forces of darkness. Ask people the questions, ask people questions if they have demonic activity in their lives. One question if they have a financial challenge, one question you have to ask is are they tithing? Especially if they have financial challenges. Sickness could also be a result of not tithing. Kenneth Hagin tells this story on a tape titled, When Healing Doesn't Come. It's number 58H03. Kenneth Hagin told the story in 1950 while he was in East Texas. The Lord Jesus appeared to Kenneth Hagin at least eight times, maybe 12 times personally 
and talked to him sometimes an hour and a half long. One night while Kenneth Hagin was praying for the sick at a service, a man came into the healing line for prayer with severe ulcers. Kenneth Hagin put his hand on him and immediately had, had a vision. He saw the man that night or the night before writhing in pain on his bed in the early hours of the morning, rolling backwards and forwards. And so as not to disturb his wife, the man got out of bed and went outside to the veranda and lay down on a couch on the veranda. Kenneth Aiken told the man what he had seen in the vision and said to the man, a demon has attacked your stomach because you are a member of this church and you are not a tither. You are a member of this church and you are not a tither. Now Satan has therefore used an open door to attack you with sickness. And then the, Brother Hagin said to this man, if you will promise to tithe, I'll be able to pray for you and command that demon to leave you. The man promised to tithe. The pastor of the church was standing right there and heard everything the man said. Then in front of the whole congregation, Kenneth Hagin prayed and the man was healed. He went home that night and ate a big steak for the first time in many months. The tithe is 10% of all our increase, not 9%. If I keep the tithe in my house, instead of paying it to God as he instructed, then that 10% in my home becomes an idol, just like the mosque. And that 10% opens the door for Satan to attack me, just like the mosque opened the door for Satan to attack Dr. Andre. Just like the man in the tour in Egypt visiting the pyramids, got back into the bus while holding a scarab beetle in his hand. And as I drove off in the bus, the demon attacked the man. You might remember that story. I told you that story in part one of our series. If you have not heard the story, I encourage you to go listen to part one of this series about five weeks ago. Now that's why God said in Malachi chapter 3 verse 9, You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Bring all the 10%, that's the tithes, into the storehouse. Look at that. You are cursed with a curse because you have taken my tithes and offerings. So God said you are cursed with a curse. That means that tithe in our house becomes a curse to us. It opens the door for Satan to attack our lives. When I pay the tithe to God, it becomes a great blessing. When I keep it in my home, it becomes a terrible curse. Disobeying any part of the word of God will give Satan an open door to attack us. Disobeying any part of the word of God. In some cases, the demons come immediately. In other cases, they come after persisting in disobedience for a while. For example... Unforgiveness will allow a demon to come immediately. Pornography will probably allow a demon to come immediately. Alcohol abuse might take a little while, but it will come. Satan has certain traps, which he uses as weapons to steal our authority, to keep us under his control without us even realizing it. We understand that any time we step out of line with God's word into disobedience, we become a target for the devil. That is what concerns me about this hyper-grace teaching. They say, do not repent for sin. They say it's not necessary. They say it's not necessary to repent for sin. They say 1 John 1 9 was not written to Christians but to the unsaved. I don't know how they figure that out. They tell their members not to sin, though, but if they do sin, it's okay. Because no matter how bad you live, you're still going to heaven at the end of the day. That's what they claim. 
Now, someone needs to tell the devil about this new doctrine because he still doesn't know he's not supposed to possess people who don't forgive others, and he's not supposed to attack people who live in sin or disobey the word of God. So, clearly, if hypergrace was correct, if that teaching was correct, we would never need to cast demons out of Christians because demons would have no authority to go into a Christian if they weren't accountable for that sin. We need to repent, child of God, and live godly. There's no way about it. If we don't live godly, don't shout at me. Don't complain to me. It's not my fault. This is what the Word of God says. And if we don't live godly, we will have to deal with Satan directly. And he has no grace, child of God. No grace. Don't think, well, I'm going to live by Satan's grace. You're in trouble if you try it. Let's live for God. And the blessings are enormous. The blessings for living for God are huge. Amen? Something that defeats more Christians than anything else is unforgiveness. I touched on that last week. I want to mention it again this week, or last in part one, rather. Mark 11, 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Jesus said that. We are forgiven if we forgive. That's what he said. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Grace is not permission to live like the devil. God gets no glory out of it when I live like the devil. I'm living by grace so I can live like the devil. That doesn't bring God glory. Grace, child of God, is God's ability working for me to help me to live godly. That's grace. God's ability keeping me holy. That's grace. Now, when I live godly, that brings God glory. Amen? Let's look at the Lord's Prayer here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus said, In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins as we forgive our debtors, those who sin against us, those who offend us. Forgive me the way I forgive others. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. But if you forgive men their trespasses or sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, sins, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses, your sins. Wow. Now that means if I don't forgive something, that means Christ didn't die on the cross for me. How am I going to be saved if the crucifixion didn't benefit me at all? God's not going to forgive me if I don't forgive. It's a bad state to be in, child of God. Those Christians who refuse to forgive are hand over to the control of demons. Let's see if I can find that in the Bible. Matthew 18 Jesus tells the story of the king, which I mentioned in part one, who had a servant who owed him $384 billion. The king decided to throw this man in jail and sell his family, including his wife and children, to pay towards the debt. The man begged the king to forgive him, and the king forgave him all his debt. But the man who was forgiven knew a fellow servant who owed him a day's wages. The newly forgiven man threw his friend in jail because he couldn't pay the debt. When the king found out about it, he handed this man over to the tormentors to torture him. After telling the story, Jesus turned to his 12 disciples, Peter, James, John, and the rest, and he said in Matthew 18, 35, 
So my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Imagine that. Jesus said to his 12 disciples, if you don't forgive, my Father will hand you over to demons for torture. Wow. Look at verse 21, same chapter. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, show my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. That's, that's 490 times a day. All right, now, at this point in time, you see the Lord Jesus in the movie by Mel Gibson, The Passion of the Christ, on the cross. And I want to ask you a question here. If that is what God did for us to forgive us, How can we not do something as simple as saying to our brother from the heart, I forgive you? Again, if that's what God did for us to forgive us, all he is asking us to do is to say from the heart, I forgive you. How hard is it to say to somebody, I forgive you? It's not nearly as painful as God died on the cross. If God is willing to pay that awesome price for our forgiveness, are we not prepared to pay a small price by saying, I forgive my brother? The tortures refer to demons and evil spirits that will have the legal right to torture us and enter into us if we don't forgive. And I've cast out many demons from Christians, mostly because of unforgiveness. Matthew 5, 28, the Lord Jesus said, So, if you are standing before the altar in the temple, offering a sacrifice to God, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. God wants us to be reconciled with those that offend us and we offend. If you go to somebody and try and restore them to fellowship with yourself and they refuse, then you walk away and you are free. Because the Bible said, as far as possible, live peaceably with all men. But if they refuse to be restored to fellowship, you walk away. All right, when somebody has unforgiveness or resentment towards another brother in Christ, their judgment between right and wrong becomes confused. They become judgmental, critical, and irritational. They become stressed. They lose the ability to have common sense. After a while, they'll become physically sick. They'll become defeated, depressed, and even oppressed. These are all conditions of a person who has not been forgiven for their sin after having known forgiveness before. You can tell immediately. Being forgiven gives us authority over Satan and over demons. On the other hand, if we are not forgiven and we don't forgive, that gives Satan and demons authority over us. To step out of love is to step onto Satan's territory. We have broken God's new covenant law of love. We are outside the protection of the covenant. We are outside the blessing of the covenant. We are not to judge other Christians. They are not our servants. The Lord Jesus bought and paid for them. They belong to him. They are his servants. Romans 14.4 God said, Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. The Holy Spirit said to my heart one time, it doesn't matter what they have done to you. 
you are required to stay within the law of love. It doesn't matter what people do to us. We are required to walk in the law of love. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That seems like a difficult mountain to climb, but it's for our own good. It's to keep us free from Satan and demon control and influence in our lives. Romans 12, 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So let's not try and get involved in revenge. God said you'll deal with it. I've seen that in my life so many times. You see, family, we can win the battle, but lose the war. We can win an argument and step out of the fellowship with God. Don't have an argument with somebody and get out of fellowship with God. Don't let this, the devil destroy us. When we step out of love in situations like this, it's like a soldier in the heat of the battle laying down his shield of faith, then laying down his sword, then taking the helmet of salvation off of his head, then his breastplate, then stepping out of his shoes, and that would be suicide in the heat of the battle. And that is what we do when we step out of love. We stand naked and defenseless before Satan, our enemy. None of us can afford that. It doesn't matter how long we have been walking with God. People have often said to me, I've forgiven them, Apostle Thea, but I'm not talking to them anymore. No, I refuse to talk to them again. The truth is, they have not forgiven that person. They are deceived by the devil. To say I'm not going to talk to them again is deception. Imagine God said that to us. He said, I have forgiven you, but I'm never going to talk to you again for all eternity. That would be tragic, would it? Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. We have such a great promise from such a wonderful God. Let's not blow it. God the Father cannot bear to be separated from us for eternity. Therefore, he removes our sin from him for his own sake, to prevent a broken heart in his own heart. It seems like the biggest trap Satan has for Christians to fall into is this sin of unforgiveness. It doesn't matter how long we have been walking with God. It doesn't matter how mature we are in God. That is a challenge we will always have to be aware of. The devil will about to trap us into unforgiveness. Now I'm going to continue with part three of this very important series in about five weeks' time. Don't miss it. All right, we're going to watch some videos here quickly, and then we're going to pray for all those who need prayer right now. Go ahead, roll the videos. Hi family, my name is Sanele Mashangu. I was having an operation on my left leg, so I was working with crushes. The day I came to church, the time Pastor was here, uh, that day I was not feeling okay because I was even sleeping in church. So I didn't hear anything because the way even my body was heavy, I was just sleeping. So when he was busy praying for people, it's when my daughter wake me up and say, Mama, they are calling you. I was like, why are they calling me? So I just stand up and go in front. Remember, I'm walking with crushes. So I stand up, I go straight to him. I forget my crushes that day. My body was so heavy. I was bending. I'm having an operation. I can't feel the pain. Oh, I feel the pain right now. I can't feel the pain. I can't feel the pain. You can't feel any pain in your body? Yes, I can't feel the pain. 
He said to me, what happened to you? I said, I don't know, but I don't feel anything. I was working with crushes and I'm having operation here. Say, uh, okay. start to pray for me so the demons start to speak. Do you have to forgive somebody? What's your name? What's your name? What's your name? What is your name? Huh? Do you have to forgive somebody? somebody you have to forgive? Yes. You better forgive him quickly because that demon's harassing you. I forgive my sister. I forgive my baby dad. I forgive everyone that I make wrong. The one that I know me, I know Jesus. Okay. Yes. Now, look at me. Oh, come on, you fell demons. Stop tormenting her. Come out of her. Go. Jesus, man. Then my chest was so heavy. When, I, when he said, let it go, he swear by the demon just left me. I was initiated to be a Sangoma. So it's where by the spirits that are attacking me. So I didn't know what was wrong with me because I didn't sleep, like even eating, I was not even eating. Thank you, Jesus, for healing me. Does everything look different now? Yes. <laughs> It's nice that demon gone, isn't it? Yes. So this is a lesson. Don't have unforgiveness. Because if you do, demon will come into you. Whether you're a Christian or not. You got it? You're free. Thank you, Jesus. You got no choice. Give me a hug. That's good enough. My leg is good now. I'm not using crushes. Yes, the demons are not around anymore. Thanks to God for healing me. and I'm a full-time pastor here at Christian Family Church. I became a member in 2013 and that is where my life has changed dramatically. This is where I met my husband. This is where three beautiful girls was born. This is where I became a full-time pastor and this is where my salvation, my deliverance and my healing journey started. So this is something that I started when I was only as young as 10 years old. I never knew what the problem was until I was 18 years old when they discovered that a tumor that is as big as 10 centimeters was growing in my abdomen. Now I sense in my heart here today, somebody's trusting God for healing, for growth on their body. The type of tumors is called neurofibromatosis and it's an incurable disease where tumors will just keep on growing on your nervous system and I've been struggling with this for more than two decades. The tumors that's been growing has been growing for 25 years. Uh -huh. And the doctor said that they are incurable. They will always keep on growing on my nerves. That issues caused extreme pain that I had for many years. It also caused numbness in some areas because you know when a nerve is being damaged or hurt, there's no way that no medication, no pill can help restore that nerve. When the damage has been done, there's absolutely nothing that you can do about that. It keeps on growing on the nerves, in my back, in my abdomen area. You have and stuff to start, like you have pain. Down my legs, yes, and I've, you've know, I've been for multiple operations. Wow. Okay. Multiple. Okay. And for 25 years since I was 10 years old, but 
today's Spirit my day. Upon you right now. And I was sitting in the service, not thinking anything, not asking the Lord anything, because my journey with my faith has been, I am healed. And that's what I stood on. And that's what I believe. And at the very end, Apostle Theo said that there's someone here with an incurable disease. And I was sitting there and the Holy Spirit dropped into my heart, Lee, that's you. I looked at my husband and I told him, and I went up and I ran to the front and I knew I need to be like the woman with the issue of blood and I need just to grab a hem of Jesus Christ. Blossomy, the Spirit of the Lord is on you right now, healing you. There it is. In the name of Jesus, I set you free from this bondage. And he prayed for me and a power that I cannot explain came on top of me and I started to shake. I started to shake but while I was shaking, I was on the floor, I lost my shoes and I truly believe it's a prophetic losing of shoes because I had to get rid of the old to get the new. So my healing experience felt like electricity that was going through my entire body. From my head, down to the soles of my feet. You can see on the video, I was shaking uncontrollably and the power of God was just flowing through me and I couldn't stop laughing because I knew something that I lived with for so many years was broken at that very moment. And then I went to go see my doctor. And my doctor, he had a shocking expression on his face and I, I didn't know what to expect. Is now good, is this a bad? And he's like, nothing has grown. That was his very first words. And that is unlikely. You know, for these type of tumors, they always grow. Existing tumors that was there are completely gone. So everything we have on paper. Sometimes I find myself reading that over and over and over again because it's just such a praise report that I've never ever received in the past. I'm sitting here today and I'm so thankful, so thankful to God. What He's done in my life. And I want to thank Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev for their continuous support and love. I want to thank them for their dedication and their time, for being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because if He did not call out incurable disease, I believe that I would not be sitting here today sharing my testimony with everybody. And I do believe that this testimony will bring hope for some people in a hopeless situation, for people with a terminal disease, for people that have been struggling for years, thinking that God has forgotten about them, which is not the truth. We serve a loving Father that is fighting for us. And I did my fight. I came from the side and I grabbed the hymn of Jesus. And I hope that this can encourage other people to do the same and to not lose hope, to not give up, and to stand and fight for their healing.
Now, if you are here today and you need prayer, if you have any challenges in your life and you sense there might be demon activity, don't go home with those demons harassing you. Come and be set free right now. I'm going to pray for you. As you can see, the pastors are all up here and there's tons of leaders up here waiting to minister to you. I'm going to pray the prayer and then they are going to lay hands on you and minister to you and you will go home free. Praise God. Amen. Come on up right now. Praise the Lord. While the music's playing, thank you, worship team. All right, everybody please close your eyes and say this prayer with me. Everybody say this prayer with me, all of you up in the front here. Dear Father in heaven, I heard the word this, this morning. I believe your word is true. I understand the importance of living in obedience to the Word of God. And today I close the door on the devil. And I determine by the grace of God and His power, His ability, His strength, I will live a godly life. In the name of Jesus, I repent and close every door in my life. I repent for fear. And if you've got any challenge in life that you've been involved in, you repent for that. Say it with your mouth so your ear can hear you. No one else needs to hear you. Go ahead and say it right now. Okay. Especially unforgiveness. <laughs> All right, close your eyes. I'm going to pray now. Say this, Satan, I resist you. Say it. Satan, I resist you. God from me now, I declare I'm free in the name of Jesus. Praise God. All right, Satan, you heard that. I command you foul demons. Go from all these people right now by the authority of the name of Jesus. I command you to go. There you go being set free right now by the power of God, being set free right now by the power of God, and you leave this building, you will not come back, you will not harass these people ever again, in Jesus' name. And you go through dry places seeking rest, and you will not find any. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Now all of you lift your hands and praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God, praise God. Now, if anybody wants to minister to, the pastors and leaders are here to lay hands on you. The rest of you, if you feel you're happy and content, you can go back to your seat right now. And I'm going to do the altar call in a moment. But if you're up here and you want to continue ministering with the pastor, that's fine. I'll carry on with the altar call. Please go and take your seats back there. All right. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many say, Dr. Theo, I want to be sure I go to heaven one day. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Can you help me, please? I need Jesus in my heart. I want to surrender my life to the Lord. 
If you don't know where you're going when you die, if you don't know the Lord and you want Jesus in your heart, I'm going to pray for you in a moment. I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up if you want me to include you in this prayer so you can have the assurance of your salvation. I'm going to count to three. If your hand is raised, you will be included in my prayer. You ready? One, two, three. All right, somebody knows how to pray is coming to put their hand on your shoulder right now to let you know we love you and Jesus loves you while I pray. And please, everybody with your hand raised, say this with me. And everybody else sitting down, if your hand's not raised, also say the prayer along with them. Here we go. Dear God in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross in my place. You punished him for my sins, so I can be forgiven. Please forgive me, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Come into my heart. Save my life. Thank you. I declare, Jesus is the Lord of my life. From this day, I am saved. I am now God's child. I'm bound for heaven. Praise God. Now, if you said that prayer, we are so glad. We're going to give you a big, big praise God this morning. And that person that prayed with you is going to take you to the place of prayer where you'll meet a pastor from this church, be ministered to for a brief moment, and then you'll be free to leave. This is very important. It's about your salvation, helping you understand a few things. So go along with them. We're going to give you a great big hand clap as you leave. Praise God. God bless you all. Give me a big hand clap as they go to the place of prayer now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we'll see you next weekend. I have a powerful message for you next weekend about the blessing of God. Blessed is the man. That's the title of the message. Blessed is the man. All right, you will enjoy next weekend. God bless you. See you next Sunday. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Fulmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.